Hello and welcome to the Libinance podcast, where history, current trends, and smart investments collide for an exhilarating ride. We'd love to hear from you on what you think and do follow us on all our social media accounts and leave your feedback as always. I'm Lois Boy, you can call me Libby, and I will be your host for the podcast. For each episode, we embark on a journey through time, explore deep hidden financial histories. From there, we dissect the course of today's financial world, breaking down complex trends. But that's not all. We talk about practical investment strategies to empower you on your financial journey. What's poppin', my lovelies? We're back with it again. Another solid one for our financial journey. So let's get right into it. what's popping what's popping lovely listeners we are welcome back to another episode of the libinance podcast i'm so excited to share with you today on investment banks as brokers and i hope that at the end of this episode you take out so much so let's get right into it you know in the world of finance some financial securities or financial instruments look like a tool for gambling or it looks like a tool to gamble with and so in these kinds of markets or financial markets if we don't hold you you will gamble and use ghana as collateral and it becomes even worse when this kind of gambling doesn't make economic sense in the early 90s there was a bank called the Barons bank ps this was an assignment well sort of like an assignment given to us by our lecturer and we were asked to watch this documentary which had a movie form and i watched the movie form because why not and i found it interesting and i wanted to share with my lovely listeners so yeah in the early 90s there was a bank called the Barons bank a very prestigious bank as at that in fact it was known to be a bank the late queen used so Barron's bank was in the uk and in that bank there was a trader called nick leeson brilliant guy but he was too driven too driven to make profits in Barron's bank nick was a derivatives trader derivatives this word it's a financial instrument it's a financial security and this instrument given the right structure you can do wonderful things and given the freedom can do terrible things to the economy so let's understand what a derivative is and the types but first you know in finance you have to be flexible in your thinking you have to think like a believer yeah you have to think that everything is possible in finance and you have to believe that you can use a paper a piece of paper to trade and make money by giving this paper a value okay so let's see what a derivative is a derivative is a financial instrument or security that derives its value from an asset an underlying asset let me use this example let's imagine the salaries that will be paid will be based on your certificate and so if you have a phd you would be paid twenty thousand. if you have masters you'll be paid fifteen thousand. and if you have undergraduate degree you'll be paid ten thousand. now we are paying you ten thousand for undergraduate degree because it is believed that with an undergraduate degree 
you harness a particular skill and so when you present your certificate to me that certificate becomes a derivative now that certificate has a value equal to ten thousand, and the asset behind this is the skill you have so when you present that certificate to anyone or you you decide to sell it you can sell it at ten thousand because it has an underlying asset which is your skill and your skill is worth that ten thousand that is why we are paying ten thousand to undergraduate so that is what essentially a derivative is it is a piece of contract a paper that derives its value from something else and so we have derivatives in gold in cocoa in beans commodity derivatives so let's see the types of derivatives we have we have forward futures we have credit default swaps we have synthetic derivatives a lot of derivatives but in the case of this story i'm going to single out futures and let's look at what a futures derivative is so a futures derivative or a futures contract is like a promise to buy or sell something in the future at a particular price so let's say i produce chocolate for valentine all i do is to produce chocolate for valentine and i have a source a farmer and the farmer gives me the cocoa beans and i through research or through something i noticed that i would have um, cocoa beans will be having a high price in the next three months to come if i want to protect myself against this high prices what i can do is to enter into a contract with the farmer and tell the farmer that i want to buy your cocoa beans in the next three months at this particular price now why would the farmer also agree to sell me that or maybe the farmer also believes that cocoa prices are going to be low right so if he is telling me he'll buy it at the, this price i would benefit so i mean everybody is trying to profit here so when i tell the farmer i want to buy this cocoa beans at this particular price in the next three months then the contract i'm entering into is a futures contract so he's going to maybe give me a paper and that paper is going to signify that that farmer is going to allow me to buy the cocoa beans at this particular price in the next three months so that is a futures contract now back to the story now nick was allowed to head the futures market for Barron's bank and his station was the singapore exchange the singapore international monetary exchange cymex so that was where he was working it's just like ghana stock exchange yeah now there he was supposed to look at the nikkei 225 index futures now what is the nikkei 225 index in simple terms the nikkei 225 index is like um a number in simple terms it's like a number and this number tells us the performance of a number of companies listed on the tokyo stock exchange so with the nikkei 225 index it was telling us that this number signifies the performance of 225 companies in japan listed on the tokyo stock exchange now the nikkei 225 futures contract was traded on the osaka securities exchange and the singapore international monetary exchange cymex so it was traded in two places maybe more but in two places Osaka and Cymex and the job of Nick Leeson was simple he was supposed to engage in arbitrage now arbitrage trading is basically buy low sell high that's that's the simplest way I can define arbitrage is to buy low from some place and go and sell it at a high price at another place so because the Nikkei was at two places Osaka and Cymax he was supposed to look at the prices 
on those two markets and take advantage of that so if the price was low on the osaka exchange and the price was high at cymax he could buy it low at osaka and sell it at cymax at a high price and get a profit from there so that was his job now in the course of his operation one of his colleagues made a mistake and it's resulted in massive losses I think around about 20 million British pounds. Nick decided that he would recover that money. So to recover that money, he decided to enter into the world of speculative trading. Some might say financial gambling. Well, that can be argued out. But for the most part, he entered into the world of gambling. What he essentially sought to do was that he was going to make bets on the movement of the index and then profit from it. So this is what he wanted to do. He would make a bet that the index would move up. And if it moved up, he made profits. If it moved down, he made losses. And so for some time, he was making profits. He actually made a lot of profit and he was able to recover the money they lost and even had more in advance. And he was doing very well. But the world of gambling is addictive. Oh boy, so addictive. He decided to still engage in speculative trading. And in the speculative trading, you have to use money to bet. And he was using the bank's money to do that. And that is called proprietary trading. So things were not going as well as before. And eventually, he lost. When he lost, he still believed that he could recover that money. So he continued to place more bets, more bets, more bets until it crashed. Eventually, the losses were too much. Nick lost about 300 million at the end of the day. At the end of everything, Barron's bank collapsed and was eventually sold to another bank for one pound. A bank that was so prestigious and very profitable collapsed because of derivatives. I wouldn't say because of derivatives necessarily, but because of the gambling in derivatives and it was sold for one pound. One pound. Now, why the story? Because then again, whatever I've been saying, I didn't mention Ghana. I didn't mention Accra. I didn't mention anything related to Ghana. Well, the essence of this story is to really look at how derivatives can be good, but at the same time, how derivatives can be deadly. Ghana as an emerging market has plans of having a derivatives market. I think it's still an ongoing thing, but I fear that if we all, the participants, regulators, everyone, if we do not fully pay attention and equip ourselves before setting up this market, we might as well be leading ourselves into a catastrophic trap. So all those pushing and saying we have to have a derivatives market so that ghana would be liquid and all those stuff please take a step back just look at how catastrophic derivatives can be and then we can structure and find our way out of it because derivatives can do so much good for the economy now back to investment banks as we've talked from previous episode we know that investment banks play a very important role in capital raising they also help in research alongside other activities. But one main important service they provide, which I think if they didn't, would have caused a lot of problems for investors, is the role of being a broker. So let's know what a broker is. So investment banks act as brokers and as such, they offer brokerage services. Relax. The name sounds so but it's simple. They acting as brokers 
simply means that they act as intermediaries and help clients or investors buy and sell securities on their behalf now i've been mentioning securities for some time now i think it's only fair i come clean on what it is in finance when you hear the term security please we are not talking about bodyguard or gate man no seriously it doesn't have anything to do with safety rather when we talk about security um a share can be a security a stock can be so shares and stocks are the same thing so the shares of mtn is a security treasury bills are government securities treasury bonds are government securities and so the term financial instruments and financial securities can be used interchangeably i think that has been addressed so we are good to go now so investment banks as brokers they help you as an investor to buy and sell securities so say you want to buy mtn shares or you want to buy thousand shares of benso or your palm plantation bob the first thing you do if you've not already done that is that you research on the company you want to buy their shares so if you've already done that that's aside then the next thing you do is to contact your broker and then you instruct your broker to buy those shares for you at a particular price now what i've just said or what i'm talking about is when you are dealing with a traditional broker you know before the advent of technology we had like actual people filling orders from clients so we had actual people taking orders from clients to buy and sell their shares for them but now although we have traditional brokers still there they are not that many and it's because we have technology so we have so we have online brokerage platforms i like to call them machine broker so human broker and machine broker so if you use the brokerage platforms then those online platforms are going to help you buy and sell those securities rather than a human being doing it for you or a human broker and please we have brokerage platforms in ghana why a lot actually don't think we are not technologically savvy ghana we are also savvy so let's see how the online brokerage process is so first of all you look for a reputable brokerage by that i mean an investment bank so we have black star brokerage ic securities fincap data bank a lot of them and then after finding the particular brokerage you want you open a brokerage account with them and then you deposit money into it a why should i deposit money whose money should we use to buy those shares it's you now if you want to buy shares when you open the account you deposit funds into it then on the platform that platform could be a website platform or an app platform there will be an option to place an order so the order is basically whether you want to buy or sell shares the structure will depend on the kind of platform you are dealing with and the kind of investment bank you are dealing with but basically they have a simple structure you just have to find the order button you place your order put in your necessary information and all those stuffs and after that you just tap on accept confirm place order whatever as i said it will depend on the structure of the platform then after you are done this brokerage will execute your order for you meaning that they will use your money to buy at the particular price you want so basically when you are done with filling everything and you confirm the order the brokerage will execute your order for you and buy those shares for you so after the order has been executed the shares will appear in your brokerage account meaning you now have ownership of that share beautiful right so guys that is it about investment banks acting as brokers they help to facilitate this trade because imagine remember in our previous episodes 
we talked about when you enter into the primary market and then you buy shares from MTN and you no longer want that shares again or you no longer want ownership of that shares you have to sell it but you cannot go to MTN directly and tell them please give give me my money and take your shares it doesn't work like that so by investment banks acting as brokers we are able to facilitate that trade in the secondary market moving on to our investment strategy now remember in our previous episode we talked about treasury bills coming at an interest rate well this one we are going to talk about treasury bills coming at a discount rate relax i'm not going to talk about maths here <laughs> i'm not going to make it any more mathematical but i just want to explain how it, it, it looks like now remember i said treasury bills coming at an interest rate that particular interest rate that is given is for the whole year well when it comes at a discount rate it's not for a whole year so that's the first difference when so when they say 29 percent i i promise i'm i'm not going to make it mathematical when they say 29 percent discount rate that 29 percent is 29 percent we are not going to divide by any day it is flat 29%. So essentially, when the government says that I'm offering you a treasury bill at a discount rate of 29%, what the government is essentially trying to say is that it's basically like the government telling you that um I have this treasury bill, which is equivalent to thousand Ghana CDs, but don't bring me thousand Ghana CDs. Take 290 Ghana CDs out of it and the remaining amount bring it to me at the end of the three months which is 91 day come for thousand ghana cities that's all the government is trying to say so if you wanted to buy that bill let's say the 91 day bill at 5000 ghana cities you would just calculate 29 percent on that 5000 ghana cities the amount you get you would take it and chop it do whatever you want to do with it but you would take that money out and the remaining money you give it to the government at the end of the 91 day you go for full flat 5,000 Ghana cities from the government. So that is it. At a discount rate, you get your profit, or let me say it in finance terms, you get your interest before your principal. But you see that, or you notice that with the interest rate, you receive both the principal and the interest at the end of the period. So that is the difference. So you can look at it and choose which option you would want. Do you want to take your interest first before enjoying the principal? Or do you want to get all of them at the end of the period? Your strategy or your goal for your investment would tell you which kind of investment to go for. Is it at a discount rate or at an interest rate? So that's it guys. I told you I wasn't going to do any calculations and I kept my promise. So to get more on treasury bills at discounts and at interest rates, be sure to visit our website at libinan6.wordpress.com and you get more information under the financial blocks. I'll see you next week, same time, same channel. And remember, the world of finance is for everyone to know. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Libinance podcast. We'd love to hear from you on what you think and do follow us on all our social media accounts and leave your feedback as always.